Hello, and welcome to this, the final show in this series. Don't panic. We'll take a week off, and we'll be back with Bond on September the 1st. So go and make a note in your diary. This week, we are with Ryan O'Neill and Barbara Streisand in the wonderful comedy from 1972, What's Up, Doc? This is San Francisco, the city chosen by one of the most brilliant and sensitive new generation of filmmakers, Peter Bogdanovich, for his maiden comedy effort, What's Up, Doc? Starring Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill. Where are we? I can't see! Well, there's not much to see, actually. We're inside a Chinese dragon. Any experienced observer of shooting techniques will quickly sense the utterly new and different atmosphere created on the Bogdanovich set. No more the crass showmanship and slapdash of the old Hollywood. Here, too, none of the catch-as-catch-can-do-it-anyway attitudes of former filmmakers. Print! Here, instead, is a skilled artist, sophisticated in his craft, using the camera as Heifetz uses a Stradivarius. What's up, Doc? Stunt coordinator Paul Baxley brought together a fine team of performers to cover all of the action and make it one that is still talked about today. Filmed predominantly on location in San Francisco with a few insert shots of Janet Brady doubling Barbara Streisand who was hanging from the ledge of her hotel window. Baxley also managed to get two stuntmen to play roles in the film. Gil Perkins plays the driver of Mr. Jones and Jerry Summers gets the role as a cab driver. And they certainly had plenty to do. Here they come! The major action set piece in the film is the spectacular chase that happens across San Francisco, starting with Ryan and Barbara trying to escape their pursuers on an ice cream tricycle. You know the sort of thing. Saddle, two wheels at the front with an ice box on the front and a wheel behind. The undulation of San Francisco makes this an almost perfect vehicle for this chase and allows stunt drivers Jerry Summers, Gil Perkins, Dean Jeffries and Craig Baxley drive the main character cars and chase, skid and jump their way through the movie. A couple of special moments in the chase include a very clever gag surrounding two men moving a pane of glass across a street and a banner being erected in the middle of the road. Stuntman Jack of a Voice is on top of the ladder making sure the banner is correctly secured. Below him, each vehicle in the chase just misses his ladder and the pane of glass as they come down the hill and then barely miss the ladder a second time as the vehicles are turned violently in the street and set off in another direction. This happens twice, and all Jack can do is watch, his eyes bulging out of his head. Finally, the last car slides into the ladder, knocking it over. Jack is now clinging to the banner for dear life. The two men carrying the pane of glass move onto the sidewalk to make sure their pane of glass is safe. Meanwhile, the added weight on the banner causes it to start coming loose from one wall where it's connected by metal bolts. And then it happens. The bolts give way. The banner now swings across the road with Jack still clinging on. But just when you think it couldn't get any worse, he swings right through the pane of glass on the sidewalk and smashes it into a million pieces. The timing is beautiful. 
and the comic payoff is well worth the wait. Director Peter Bogdanovich decided partway through filming the chase scene that additional car crashes were required. Paul Baxley told him he could have them, but they didn't have any more additional vehicles to work with. So Bogdanovich found a loophole. He got ADs from the film company to go to the rent-a-car agencies, rent a vehicle, take out accident insurance, then bring them back, use them for the collisions, and the insurance would cover the rest. He also had a bit of a reputation for not taking no for an answer. If you want to film on a certain location, you need to gain permission. Payments need to be made, insurance must be obtained, and roads must be closed. This just wasn't good enough for Peter Bogdanovich, who decided to just go ahead and film without all of that red tape. The scene in question is where the cars in the chase all drive down a long set of concrete steps at speed in Alta Plaza Park in San Francisco. They crashed down them and damaged many of the steps as a result of this gag. And because of this break with protocol, every movie that's ever wanted to film in San Francisco must provide a detailed scene-by-scene breakdown to the authorities before permission is granted. The 11-minute sequence cost a million dollars to shoot, which was just over a quarter of the movie's budget, and took 19 days to film. The final shot in the sequence sees the cars all driving off the end of the pier and crashing into the harbour. Very exciting visuals, but for stuntman Lauren Janes, not something he'd forget. Well, I, I say that, but due to his concussion, he'd have to be told about it first, which would then make him never forget it. Do you see? I'll explain. One vehicle is a 1969 Cadillac DeVille and is being driven by stuntman Gil Perkins. The agent in the back, clutching the bag he believes to contain the secrets, long story, is being doubled by Lauren James. The plan is for the car to drive through an awning that's covering a walkway to the ferry. Now the ferry has just departed and that's why the cars end up in the bay. You're following this, right? Okay. Just as the Cadillac gets to the awning, Lauren stands up in the back seat, leaving his head above the parapet, giving the impression that he's ripping the material as the car drives through it. He wouldn't be able to do this for real, obviously, due to the real chance of a seam not separating when it was supposed to, and so it's all done as a camera trick, where the car passes near the awning and the camera angle does the rest. But Lauren must still jump just as the car leaves the dockside, otherwise he'll still be in the vehicle without a seatbelt when it hits the water, and that's not going to be pretty. So, jumping clear of the vehicle means that when it hits the water, he'll keep going and be far enough past it not to be dragged under, injure himself, or indeed hit the vehicle on the way by. However, the split second he jumped, he gave his head a glancing blow on a pipe which was across the walkway. He assumed if he jumped late enough, he'd miss it. But at 70 miles an hour, you have to judge everything so quickly. We can make it! We can make it! I don't think we can make it! 
this occasion his timing was just off, and he hit his head. A glancing blow, but he hit it. The impact was enough for him to black out. So the landing was nasty and very painful. He was unconscious in the water and had to be rescued and brought to the side. He remained in hospital, where he came to, lived to create more magic on the big screen, and I imagine that when he came round, his first words were, Yeah, what's up, Doc? That's all, folks. This movie was also the first US film to credit stunt people on the end credits. Just let that sink in for a moment. 1972, and the end credits of an American movie finally credit stunt performers? I appreciate that all departments will have wanted to receive recognition along the way, but you'd think the stunt girls and guys must be in some sort of priority category, and yet no. Here we are in 2021. Stunt credits are now commonplace. The stunt credits on a big-budget action picture could take a couple of minutes to scroll by, and yet this was only possible for the last 49 years. Staggering, isn't it? So, there you go. That's it for this series. Remember, we're back on September the 1st with part two of our Bond extravaganza, starting with the living daylights, so don't miss that. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel where our show goes out every Friday. And remember, it's not the same as the podcast, so don't think it's just the same material all over again. Oh, no. You get quality content here, you know. All the social media links are in the notes, and I want to thank each and everyone for all their love and support since starting this podcast back in December of last year. Can it really be that long ago? So, until next time, bye for now. <laughs>